You want to know how he's choosing them, don't you? I thought you might have some ideas. Why should I tell you? You get to see the file in this case. And there's another reason. Pray tell. But you might be curious to see if you're smarter than the person I'm looking for. Then by implication, you think you're smarter than me since you caught me. No. I know that I'm not smarter than you. Then how did you catch me? You had disadvantages. What disadvantages? You're insane. <laughs> And, he, and he's sitting there in his speedo, and he pretends he's flipping burgers and says, Hey, look at me, living like a doctor. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films. <laughs> did he get the role? He did get the role. <laughs> How you been? Uh, <laughs> Dave is back. I'm back. <laughs> That's right. We had two weeks without Dave. We were doing, uh, me and Justin got romantic, and then we talked some Whoa. Batman, which is like how I always like to do it. <laughs> Is that- <laughs> I watched the uh, that Zack Snyder cut oh, the other oh, day. The Justice League? Four hours. It was good. It was good. I knew it was going to be. I had told Justin I had waited for so long to watch the Batman vs. Superman movie, the one with Ben Affleck. and uh, So I had never seen it at all, and I watched it because we were doing the Batman pod, and I friggin' loved it. I mean, Jesse Eisenberg sucked in it. I don't know why my, my hatred for superhero movies continues to grow <laughs> like and i don't even watch him anymore and I well st- dark knight's a little different i mean that's grounded though he yeah like there's a scene the in justice knight league when the flash looks at him he says so what's your superpower he says i'm rich <laughs> <laughs> then he hits like his lamborghini in the high gear <laughs> see that's why i think even for non-superhero fans they might be able to uh stomach some of the batmans like the dark knight the batmans are good and the, the batman begins the joker was good yeah that wasn't joker. even a superhero movie yeah. the new one you'd probably like so um. Yeah. Yeah. Also watched. Uh, we talked about a little on the uh, last pod. The Coming to America Two was awesome. Oh, uh, it was good. That documentary. Did you? Oh, I didn't tell you about the documentary. There's a great documentary on Netflix. If anyone's listening, and maybe I just don't watch a lot of documentaries anymore. And maybe they've gone uh, upper echelon than I than I knew about. But it was the college uh, scandal oh. documentary. They, yeah, they just did that one. Yeah, they ju- it just dropped, and we watched it the other day, and I'm it was sure phenomenal. Rory, whatever her name is, uh, is stoked. It was phenomenal, but the what I found interesting <laughs> about it... Asshole rich people, man. Yeah, what I found interesting about it is they did it like a movie and a documentary. It starred Matthew Modine doing the reenactments. He played that Rick Allen guy uh-huh. who was behind the whole fucking thing. So they got and they just got high level actors. To they do just the got high level actors to do the reenactment, That's and crazy. they're cutting it in with the with the regular That's documentary crazy. stuff and everything. And I'm like, this is so strange. And Christina didn't realize how strange it was. And I was like, no, I don't. I don't think I've seen a documentary where they've actually got a reenactment and paid some serious money to give it to us. So I recommended to mom, and she had watched it yesterday. And that's what <laughs> drunk people, history. That's the people, only man. drunk history is the only show that uses. Yeah famous people to yeah. do the reenactments so and i was i was thrilled to see it so it was a good one it was felt like watching a movie and a documentary Fucking they need to be doing people, that all the time i want to be rich i'm gonna be rich <laughs> i'm kind of those guys had I, no I, reason i, I to feel do that. rich in my head but that's just the silly things that they do i mean this works well in with our crime uh, yeah, our i did crime not think you were here. gonna get away with it, they didn't need people. to anyways they were all r- filthy rich let your kids not go to college and just do like th- like Laurie Lawton's daughter. But they didn't want to go to. She didn't want to go to college. She La- just wanted that's to what be I'm able saying. to. Say, she had like a Sephora contract. Why? It's the parents wanting to be able to say, "My kid went, went to, Stanford, to Stanford. My kid yeah. went to USC." And it's all prestige. They wasted this money. The, the shitty part is they took a seat from someone on the rowing team. Yeah. 
that could have been. Well, that's what it was. You should watch it, dude, because the reenactments are great. That would have pissed me off if I applied to that school and uh, I didn't get in and I was vying for a seat on the crew team and they gave it to her. I would troll that. And she's back on social media. She hasn't lost it. She lost... She lost contracts, sure. Yeah. But what? Oh, I'm now I'm only filthy rich. I'm not yeah. disgustingly really rich. Touching people or being racist, they'll forgive you for anything, basically. I mean, like Martha Stewart's. I mean, a rich person it. buying their way to college is not a novel idea. Yeah. I mean, oh, we all assume. I just it like remember back to school. <laughs> I named this building after me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I never I dedicate this building to myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh God, yeah. I mean, if you so buy a good. building for a college, you can get in. Your kids can get in. Yeah. So yeah, check out that show. It's good. N- next week, next Wednesday, uh, Kong versus Godzilla. I am loving this. HBO drops movies from the theater onto their platform like thirty days before they snatch them off. Yeah, the pandemic's and, really changed a bunch of stuff. God, they for the for the better, I guess. I I'm sure some people miss the movie theaters. I do not. If you're gonna drop I don't them miss like the movie that, theater. God, man, drop them like that. They're gonna release Matrix like that. They're gonna release D- the Dune movie like that. Everything in 2021 from HBO is gonna come out like that, which is amazing. I can't wait to see it. I'm gonna be there day one Wednesday. Day one. Coming to America. That was it. Was awesome. It was really good. Uh, the Nukes. second one. <laughs> What's this? I was trying. To, you said I'm gonna be there day one. And I was trying to remember that line. Oh, from, from Time Bandits. Time Bandits. I got gotcha. you. Slugs. <laughs> Slugs. <laughs> Day one. one. Exterminated. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good movie, the 80s. See, that works in well, too. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk some 80s crime today, which is crazy. We haven't had this uh, topic before. Cause it's, You're going to have to get me started on some of these. I've seen every movie on this list. Oh, I got it. There's yeah. some of them that, that are number four I can probably recite. Nice. Maybe that's the only one I've probably seen less than the others. The, these some of the, some of these movies are on my top 100. One of them's on my top 10. Uh, so I, I'm excited to talk about this. There's like several Michael Mann films on here. You think 80s crime? You think Michael Mann? I mean, well, he created I knew, Miami Vice. And, and the funny thing is, is I. I didn't even know they were Michael Manns until I saw Tangerine Dream as the yeah. as the, <laughs> as the composing group. Usually, and I'm, I'm like, I'm this must be Michael Mann. Usually, I'm a I'm not a I don't dislike Tangerine Dream. I was always pissed that they put Tangerine Dream in the Legend movie, and uh, yeah. shit can yeah, Jerry yeah, Goldsmith yeah. score. So I had like a re- weird okay. thing every time I hear their name. I, I'm like, fucking Legend. It's funny that I, <laughs> I, I know them it. more for their scores yeah. than for their oh for sure for their regular. I couldn't name a Tangerine Dream song. Yeah. And then there's movies on here like for years. I thought Michael Mann did To Live and Die in L.A. And it's William Freakin, but it's like William Freakin doing a, he's like a, no, he did Wang Chung did that song. Wang Chung did the song for, uh, no, but, uh, for True Love and Die in LA. But Tangerine Tangerine did did the score. Did Thief. No, he did, they did the score for. I don't think so. I think the score is done by Wang Chung. I I think Wang Chung wrote a song for the movie. I don't think so. I think it's the score. I I looked it up earlier. Give me a, give me another check. Uh, because you could be right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because uh, I think Tangerine Dream might have done the score for Manhunter, for sure. But he used uh, Michael Mann uses a lot of those uh, songs that sometimes work in the films and sometimes don't. The one that pisses me off more than anything, I think, is Collateral when they're like in that uh, chase in the taxi and they're playing the Chris Cornell song. I'm like, ah, I'm not sure if this works, man. <laughs> but yeah, '80s crime, obviously a topic we've all we've grew up on for Wang sure. Chung. Wang Chung. Yep. Everybody Wang right. Chung tonight. Yeah, but Tangerine Deep the Thief. And we're gonna we're gonna start with Thief, which is is probably one of my favorite movies about 
thieves, uh, thievery, I guess. That and the score. The score, man. Yeah, this is the Tangerine Dream score that really no, felt like uh, the movie. The score. Oh, the score. Yeah, yeah. Is one of my I favorite thief movies. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That is an awesome movie too. If that was in the eighties, it would be on here for sure because I love that. That's Frank Oz too. It's funny. Is, the thief. It, it had a seventies feel to the yeah. movie. This is Michael Mann. If anyone, but it felt uh, like a seventies movie. It definitely. Felt I mean, seventies. Like Eighty-one movie. movie is gonna feel like a seventies movie. Absolutely. It was probably filmed. It could have been even part of it. Could even have been filmed in seventy-nine and released in the eighties. Didn't really even happen until like eighty-three. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> and with then that. it became Maybe even eighty four. <laughs> like when what you know is the eighties yeah. was like eighty three or eighty four. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. So people, my, people are listening like, what was the eighties? <laughs> <laughs> it was just time back in the day. The uh, Michael Mann. So Michael Mann got famous. I mean, that was before this. I mean, after this, he got famous for Miami Vice, and then yep. he went on to do Manhunter, which we'll be talking about in a little while. One of my favorite uh, shows growing up, Miami yeah. Vice. Love I, that show. I think I was a little too young for it when it came out. I think I would enjoy it if I could just I dress watch like it for the Don cheese. Johnson. And I love Don Johnson. And but in high school, one of my favorite Don Johnson movies is also on this list. All right, but let's talk a little thief here. Okay, this is. I knew you would love this movie. I rewatched it and I've seen it before. But I had I, seen it, but I had never sat down with twenty I, years ago. But Christina wasn't here. She was down south, so I'm watching it and I had uh, zero distraction whatsoever. And I'm like, oh man, this is this movie is absolutely fantastic because it's it shows the grittiness, but it also shows that that detail-oriented stuff that you really like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get to see him cracking. It's, it's one of those things that's so detailed that you wonder if Michael Mann left the step out because people are going to be able to figure out how to do this. I guess you need the, the know-how how to do it. it it's funny, we, you're talking about Joey Diaz earlier. Yeah. He credits this movie yeah, he is making him movie. want to be a thief. Yep. He was a thief in yep. Col- when he lived in Colorado. Yep. He used to break into people's houses oh, yeah. and break into... He would, jewelry he, stores and everything. Yeah, but he would he would shovel snow at this apartment complex, mm-hmm. and then he'd look to see where all the drug dealers would live, mm-hmm. and he'd break in, and he's like, I wouldn't even steal all the drugs. I'd steal some of it. Yeah. And they wouldn't even know. They'd yeah, be, it would drive them nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I remember he talked about going into, like, a jewelry store, oh, and, yeah. and it goes directly to this movie, too, that he's... He says as long as the jewelry store alarm uh, wasn't going to go directly to the police station, mm-hmm. he was fine. And it turns out it did, and it went directly to the police station. So he was inside, and he had to leave. I don't th- I think he left with anything on on that job he was talking about. But it was very similar to this, and that was a concern for them too. With those alarms that go straight to the police station. Yeah, and the yeah, I mean, and what and James Belushi was great. Man, James Belushi is one of those ones you never expected to even see him in the movie. Yeah. It's probably the first film that I ever knew that he had done. 1981. And, uh, I mean, he was doing stuff. Willie Nelson looking, he did a great looking like real Willie Nelson, like what you remember him yeah. looking like mm-hmm. back in the 80s. And uh, yeah, he was really, really great in that. He was uh, played James Caan, obviously. I guess we should mention James, the great James Caan. He's the star of the movie, and oh, yeah. he that nails guy. this movie. He it's does. probably the best thing he's ever done, in my opinion, uh, for James Caan. But he plays that gritty 70s, uh, I don't know if we see him smack a woman in this, but you could tell that he would. <laughs> he has that mentality. And uh, he's that, he's kind of like Sonny in a, in a way when he just, I, but when he's doing his job, he's super methodical. So the the villain-esque character, I guess you could say, is Robert Prowski in this. Yep. Robert Prowski's awesome. Most people remember him maybe from... Uh, he was the one who ran the garage in Christine, yep. and he was the one that gave the kid the golden ticket in Last yep. Action Hero. And he, he's just, a, if you pull up Robert Prowski, you'll see his face, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I've seen a dozen movies with him. And he's great. And he just, he runs like a thieving syndicate, basically, and wants the best thief in town as a part of his crew, really. But why fuck him over? Yeah. 
I mean, do you know one of his crew was Dennis yep. uh, Farina? Yeah, super young, jet black hair. I was like, holy crap, that's Dennis Farina. Yep. Yeah, I was uh, marvelled by some of the young actors that they had in this flick. It seems Tuesday Weld really good in this. It always seems like, like how could you be a part of that criminal world with? Because you would always assume someone's going to screw you. Yeah, over. you like if you're solitary and you're making it. Yeah, yeah, just stick with that. It almost ha- seems like you have to be sort of like remember the movie Family Business. Yeah, that, well, that's the thing. Like you, really, you have to have a deeper tie to that person, or yeah. you would just. That's screw why them a over. lot of siblings probably do that type of stuff together. You need to watch that Good yeah. Times on Netflix, man. The, the like one payback, with... they screwed them over for, for sixty thousand. <laughs> My suits cost more than sixty thousand. <laughs> well, that was his wife. Yeah, I guess his wife screwed him yeah. over on that one. Yeah, and Family Business, even his father screwed him over on that one. So you can't even trust anybody. Just stay, yeah. stick just, on your own. Just go to work. But he had a small crew. I mean, he had Jim Bellucci, and he had was there. There was another guy, right? He had another guy that would that would. Uh, he yeah. had another guy. I, I don't. He he didn't participate in the in the big. There's second a lot heist, of similarities between Thief and like the second half of. Um, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Yeah. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot in that second half, they do a lot of the same stuff in here. They're trying to eliminate the alarm. The uh, They have a four-person crew, and they're kind of working it through that. Well, so this was that classic, I'm only going to do this one job, right? A, I, this, is, this is my- Literally, this is, my, uh, this is the last job. This is the last Robert job. Robert De Niro. <laughs> and his heat and type heat. of thing. Also, Michael Mann. Very one more, and I'm Michael out. Mann. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you like one Michael Mann I film, mean, that's a little literal way to create drama. It's like- Man, he, this was his last one. Yeah, the anti-hero. Everyone to wants his... to root for that villain, yeah. but it's the villain that's really only doing it to better himself yeah. and to his immediate I want to take family. My family. He's not and hurting to anybody. Live in Carousel, so yeah. I have to do this I mean, one last job. He's breaking in there where there's nobody there. He's not like he's putting anyone in danger whatsoever. They find out later on uh, about it and everything. I love the uh, the screaming argument in the car where he's. He's yelling girl? at Tuesday Weld. He's, he's saying, are you, sh- are you sh- shitting me that you don't know what I do? I'm wearing $800 suits. Yeah. I've got a, uh, a two-carat uh, ring on my finger and a gold watch and this and that. And he's, she's like, I know what you do. <laughs> <laughs> See, everyone just kept their mouth shut. It was fantastic, though. The score just drove it through the whole movie. If you like those, like, slow, methodical type. It was a very Shakespearean ending, sort of. Not Shakespearean. It reminded me uh, of, like, like Copland. It, like... He, like, you know, sent his wife away, never see him again, gave her a bunch of money, blew his house up, right? Yeah, damn, I forgot about that. And then, then he went to the, then uh, he went the, to go the car get lot. Didn't he go to the car lot next and blow up the car lot? Yeah, and then he Am was, I thinking the right movie on that? I, I, I might He blew be. his house up. Yeah, I know I he blew his house I can't remember the car up. lot. But I kind of remember to the, him throwing stuff in the He went to the, the guy's the house just on a rampage away. and was like, was like, you know, I'm, I'm going for broke. Prowski too. I think he realized he he was a lot better in this movie than you really anticipated. Like the end, he pushed it. You know, when he when he had James Con down on the ground and threatened, "Hey, we're gonna kill you, and this is what's gonna happen." And you don't threaten somebody like that. Yeah, and then he leaves. The you either room kill them or don't. And and if you're gonna don't do tell it, them about wait it. in the room to see him die. Yeah, <laughs> take his last. I'm gonna breath. put you in a in a compromised situation. I'm gonna go over here. And Sharks t- with lasers. Yeah, yeah. They're coming. <laughs> saying, I'm gonna go in the other room and have a scotch and turn my back to the door. <laughs> Scotty don't. <laughs> I got a 22 in my, in my room. We'll shoot yeah. it together. It was very satisfying uh, Michael Mann yeah. film. There's, I don't like every single Michael Mann film, but uh, half of his movies are really, really fantastic. Like, I did not care for the Miami Vice movie. Uh, with Colin Farrell? With Colin I Farrell. I, Colin Farrell, I think, was a little... Uh, 
I like him he better when him, he jokes. He's so much better now. There's a lot of those actors. I like actors. him better when he jokes yeah. around. Oh, for sure. But there's a Although lot of those, he was good in that Tom Cruise There's movie. a lot of those actors that were so annoying when they were young, they're almost unlikable. I feel that way with Nicole Kidman. If you watch the early stuff with her, you're yeah. like, ugh. And then you watch the later stuff, you're like, she's fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same thing with Colin Farrell. Once in Bruges hit, you're like, oh my god, I like Colin Farrell again. Yeah. Uh, because I, he, he played that phone booth type character. And I, I felt that, that way about movie. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is totally that guy, man. I mean, unless you looked at him as Bill and Ted, but I didn't he, like, he became something else. I liked else. Bill and Ted, but... He became something else. You're thinking more of uh, like Point Break, Keanu Reeves. Point Break, Devil's um, Advocate. Was he in? He was. And and even I'm trying to think of somebody else right now. It, uh, Christian Slater, sort of too. Yeah, Christian Slater's kind of like that. It, it's either it, I guess that's normal, but they James Con better. The, the good thing with James Con is. I mean, it was a different time for actors back then too. You know, they were you wanted to portray a tough guy, and these guys who wanted that as a actor superstar would not take roles that even made them look mildly weak. You know, if you asked James Caan back then if he was going to do the Christmas movie Elf <laughs> with Will Ferrell, he probably would have said no. But I love the progression of uh, James Caan's career changed later on with Misery. Like, we had basically forgot about James Caan, and then yeah. Misery came mm-hmm. out, and you were like, holy fuck, and he's so good that in that movie, too. All right, let's move to the next one here, man. This is one of my. This is on my top ten list. It wouldn't be on ninety-eight out of hundred people's top ten lists. Uh, Nine. It wouldn't be on hundred people unless you were on that list. Yeah, yeah. I guess if it was me and ninety-nine <laughs> other people, people, it would, it would be, be me. on that time. One I time. love this movie. This is Mickey Rourke. This is Mickey Rourke. Okay. This is 1985's Michael Cimino's Year of the Dragon. I absolutely love. Start talking movie. about it, and it's all going to come back. I've seen this movie five times, but I'm a. Maybe it's because of my love for Big Trouble in China. I'm a sucker for. Uh, for Chinatown mm-hmm. movies or anything that deal with the, the crime in Chinatown. And this was right up the alley. Talk about gritty movies. This was so good, man. I love it. And a lot of people would find it boring. And uh, the action, though, is brutal when the action happens. Mickey Rourke, uh, Raymond Barry, who remember, he played that, uh, that yeah. assassination yeah. movie, man. He's so good. I'm, su- I'm surprised when I watched that I didn't remember him. I watch him in so many other movies, and I was like, oh, it's Raymond Barry. He, he's still old. Uh, I, think he's, I don't think he's with us anymore. Yeah, shout out to uh, uh, Kananga. Oh, yeah, Fat Coda. Mm-hmm. We lost Yeah, Fat Coda last week, man. He was one of the greats, too. I'm Mosley. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but Year of the Dragon basically follows Stanley White, who is uh, the most highly decorated cop on the San Francisco uh, like detectives. or uh, He's the captain of, like I don't know if it's, it must be homicide, or maybe it's robbery. I'm not sure. Well, he works with his like best Sometimes friend. Together. He works with his best friend Raymond Barry, and they're all, it's like an old Irish. It's very this is this movie is like very on PC, like in every capacity. There, every word out of uh, Mickey Rourke's mouth is uh, he's fascinated with the Chinese and the Chinese culture, and he ends up having an affair with this uh, with that uh, Asian reporter in it. But when he's Every other word out of its mouth is a uh, derogatory slang for Asian people, and then also himself being Irish. Yeah. And, and they're having a so rough time right now, too. Uh, Asian people. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, John Lone was so good in this as the up-and-coming drug dealer on the Asian side. Every Asian actor in around at the time was in this flick. It, it's like a who's who of Big Trouble in Little China. Egg Chen's in it. Uh, we Even have uh, your guy from Lethal Wang Weapon. Chi, Wang Chi's in it. Yeah, our guy uh, Ali Ong is in it for sure. 
and I love the uh, the stuff with Egg Chen's great. He plays the uh, so basically we're seeing the cop side of the San Francisco, what's going on in there, and then we're seeing the drug lord side. And in the drug lord side, it's the old guys ran by like Egg Chen and like three other guys, and they they don't want to make ripples and they want things how they were for for hundreds of years and just toe the line and we'll do our underground gambling clubs and we pay off the cops and the cops leave us alone. Sounds and, fine to me. Yeah, and then the, John Lone <laughs> plays the new guy who's coming up and says, "No, we could make more money doing this. We could make more money doing this. We could move drugs and and I have a, a contact we need to uh, to go to in like Thailand and we can get it, it directly to, from all right, him." Here, here's the question. Is this the movie where at the end they give him a shotgun and throw a bunch of shells on the ground and he go and he goes and assaults the some hmm. headquarters with where He's meeting with the the new boss. Oh. Is meeting with the old boss. No, he, no, no, no. That's like black rain. That okay, that's black rain. Yeah, yeah. I can see why you confuse that though. Uh, there's some really. It's epic. It's like a two hour and forty five minute uh, movie. There's I'm gonna watch really, it again. There's just, some really good stuff in this. Where uh, I don't know if I included it in the DVDs I had sent you. I have to look on my list. I have because I'll pick it up for you because it's so good. But some of the key scenes like. It's relentless how Mickey Rourke wants to bring down this guy and how this guy just wants to bring down Mickey Rourke to the point at the end where it's like a standoff with them on the bridge and they're pointing their guns at each other and they're running full speed at each other. They they have just lost so much in each other. John Lone had already been shot in the hand. Mickey Rourke lost like half the things in his life. I don't want to ruin a whole bunch of it. One of my favorite scenes is where John Lone wants to show that he's a badass, so he goes to Thailand. And most of the Asian people in San Francisco, Chinatown, are getting their supply by a guy named White Powder Ma. Mm -hmm. And uh, John Lone is going to Thailand to tell this guy, hey, you need to sell to me now. We're going to completely cut out White Powder Ma. And he goes and he's he's eating with their, like, a huge table with all the military guys in Thailand. And it's, like, a really tough situation. But John Lone's got his guys there and everything, and he's at the head of the table. And he's telling them what he wants. He says, we're going to cut White Powder Ma out of this. And the guy says, no, nah, I don't think so. We have a good relationship with White Powder Ma. Uh, and that's not going to ha happen. And then John Lone just takes White Power Ma's head out of a bag yeah. and puts it on the table. <laughs> and it just I shocks cut everybody, <laughs> man. I already cut the middleman out. You're going to be paying to me, and this is how much you're going to pay because he's, uh, because I'm in charge of Chinatown now. Oh, it was so good. It was another great scene where, oh, man, they they broke in to kill Stanley but killed his wife. And uh, there's uh, a crazy scene where the guy gets out uh, – Stanley comes in, he sees his wife on the ground dead, he shoots at the guy, the guy busts through the door and he's running down the street. Raymond Barry, you didn't realize that he lived like four houses down. So he's in his pajamas running down with, uh, the street with a shotgun screaming, Stanley! And uh, they both run after the guy and the guy's... Uh it was a d disturbing scene. The guy goes so fast in his car into a wall, and he catches on fire. And I don't know, I don't know if Mickey Rourke did this or not, but someone did it. Ran in and grabbed the burning body out of the car just to beat him to death. <laughs> and uh, Raymond Barry had to grab him. He's like, "He's dead! He's dead!" <laughs> it's crazy, man. It was a wild movie. I loved it. One of Michael Cimino's, I mean, Michael Cimino is that guy who only did like five movies, man. He did Deer Hunter. We've talked about all. Uh, of them yeah, what, we talked about most of them. We what talked was, about. Godfather, Deer Hunter, recently. No, he didn't do Godfather. No, you're ta you're thinking of uh, oh. the actor. I'm talking about the director. Oh, okay. Uh, he did that one with Richard Gere with all the horses. I think that died. Is that Heaven's Gate? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> Michael Cimino, though, he's awesome. All right, next one, classic. <laughs> kind. Uh, this has got some. Com <laughs> well, it's a comedy for sure. <laughs> it it's, it's a downright comedy, and this is 1988's A Fish Called Wanda. 
It's definitely crime, though, you know, in <laughs> the way that, like, Snatch. Kill me. Talk about we're going to do the un-PC movies because that's something you also couldn't get away with today. stuttering. It was PC. Michael, was it Michael Palin? Michael. So we had two people from Monty Python in this movie. So we've got, what's his name? The head dude. Eric, not Eric Idle, but John Cleese. John Cleese. So you've got John Cleese and you've got Michael Palin. And uh, who else is in this movie? The Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. One of his best movies ever. He came on everyone's radar. I think people had known him from maybe a couple little, like The Big Chill, I think Mm -hmm. he had done already. But not until 1988 when, and obviously Jamie Lee Curtis. I had a huge crush on Jamie Lee Curtis for the longest time. This was probably top notch of how she looked, too. She looked really hot in this movie. And And she had to play sexy um, as hell. Was a risky, not risky business. Um, um, Trading places. places, yeah. Train places for sure, and she didn't get nude in this movie. She she was historically would get nude, but I think she had to draw the line. That she was like, "You see me nude? You want to see me nude? Go watch Train Places." Yeah, go read. And uh, some really fun stuff. It was just about a diamond heist and about everyone screwing the other person over. Yeah. And Jamie Lee Curtis, very optimi- optimistic, I guess, or Opportun- opportunist, opportunistic, uh, shall we say? Because she's like with you, you three different Rap guys. Song. <laughs> opportunistic. Yeah. Uh, so she's with three different guys she's with that guy that played george who was good he was like a poor man's robert carlisle yeah. he did kind of have that robert mm-hmm. carlisle look but the movie started with the um it didn't quite start with the with the crime they talked about it a little bit how uh one of them had a stutter the guy who was the he was the getaway driver right ken. yeah he was the getaway driver ken and kevin klein came in Actually, as Jamie Lee Curtis's boyfriend or lover, but they he was masquerading as her brother because she was masquerading as the boyfriend with George. <laughs> and we don't get to see John Cleese until later. He plays the barrister. A, she needed him to help. Because this was in London, too. Well, the guy that was locked up, yeah. he knew where the diamond was. Yeah. That was what was clever else. about this. So they, they do the crime, and the crime's great. It's really good. It's the after part. It's well it done. screwed up. And, there's only two bad things that went wrong, really, is that one old lady saw them screech to a halt on the street and got, like, the best look at George that you could ever possibly imagine. <laughs> and then the second one is Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis calling the cops on that George guy. So they if, they would have got rid of it, away with it if it wasn't for that. It wasn't for those meddling kids. Yeah, those meddling kids. So they got George in jail. But the problem was is... Um, George gave the key to where the diamonds are to Ken, and then Ken hid the diamonds. And we don't know. We, we as the audience knew where they were because you it saw it, it was in the fish tank. It was yeah. in like, I wonder the if treasure he chest. Ate those fish for real. I doubt it. I doubt it. There's they, no reason. No, it seems like they could get yeah, away they could with get, that stuff they, back then. Yeah, they could, but it's so easy to get gummy fish. You wouldn't be able to tell. You gummy just fish. cut away and boom. <laughs> yeah, we're jumping ahead He's a little method, bit. method, man. It's really great. It's one of the most memorable scenes, obviously, is it gets to the point where Kevin Klein needs to torture Ken to find out where the diamonds and are. And he loves his fish. And it, and he, they established it yeah, quite yeah. He's an animal heavily. lover. Yeah. Even before that, it was funny that uh, George told Ken, you have to go and kill the old woman because she saw me. Oh, yeah, he says, yeah. if she dies, I get off, basically, because there's no witness to this entire thing. The and phone was call was like anonymous. Spy or spy, right? yeah. like, so they... Ken couldn't kill the old lady and accidentally kept killing her dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he like it was breaking dogs. his heart because he was, was breaking animal his lover. heart every time. <laughs> and then on the last time when the dog uh, got killed, she had a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. So once Ken... Uh, 
gets caught by uh, Kevin Klein. He, like, ties into the chair. It sticks a pear in his mouth and two french fries up his nose and then eats, like, every fish in his fish tank right in front of him as he's trying to ask him where the but diamonds he had, he, are. His favorite was in there. He's like, remember, he was Wanda. Like, Wanda's the favorite fish and everything. Fish got Wanda. Yep. And then, uh, he, man, he puts it in his mouth, and you see the the tail flipping around <laughs> and everything. And <laughs> Meanwhile, really funny. you want to tell him where the diamond is? Yeah, go ahead. It was in the fish tank. Yeah. Like, they showed it. It was one of those ironic things, like, he's messing around in the fish tank, but the diamond was there the whole yeah. time. Yeah, And the the ending was great at the airport. Yeah, was, yeah. Once they realized that they had the diamonds or they had the key and whatever, that they were all going to meet at the uh, the airport. And uh, when Kevin Klein confronted John Cleese and stuck him in the oil barrel, it was so great. <laughs> and Ken came from behind in the steamroller. Yeah. And so John Cleese just kept kept him talking. Why? Uh, I don't know how he didn't hear uh, Ken coming, coming behind him and everything, but you got to see Ken run over Kevin Klein with the steamroller, but Kevin Klein was standing in wet cement, so it just kind of pushed his body down and everything. <laughs> It was it had its silly moments, it had its really exciting moments and fun moments, but I loved it. It was great. I remember being sent out of the room for it when I watched it with Dad because he was just constantly afraid sex was going to happen. And it was, there was that in the movie, but they didn't show anything, so I was being sent out of the uh, room for absolutely nothing. And I knew I was going to watch it later. He just, didn't want, he just was uncomfortable watching it in the room with me. It's like, fine. Just say, hey, watch it later. I'm uncomfortable in the room watching with you. <laughs> Hindsight. I'll place the tape right up on the thing for you. <laughs> All right. Let's talk some counterfeiting. Let's talk some William Freakin. Like I said, this so seems like a Michael Mann film to me. Yeah. 1985's To Live and Die in L.A. William Defoe. Awesome William Defoe. William Peterson, too. Yep. Super young. You remember William Peterson was in Thief. He played the bartender. It, like, a, such a small role. That's right. That's he came right. over and he, yep. he was, like, going to attack uh, yep. uh, James Conn with a bat, and then he, like, disarmed him and shit like that. That was his only scene. Obviously, William Peterson went on to be the lead in uh, CSI. And, and had the guy from the comedy. Oh. Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. He, I know him from uh, Monkey Shines. He's the guy that was testing the monkey. Oh, was he? Yeah. The asshole That's friend cool. who was testing the monkey. I remember monkey him shines. from an 80s comedy. Yeah, I think he was uh, in Mad About You. Mad About He you. was the friend. Yeah, he, he was, was the one of the friends. Yeah. Um, uh, he was good. He was like his... Uh, uh, the best part about this, too, is obviously you get to see... And I liked it. They went undercover. Yep. And uh, That was what it was great. when Because we're dealing with counterfeiting, and they're... they're William Peterson and his partner there were trying to bring down William Defoe, who was like the big counterfeiter. And so they were coming in as buyers, and that was the best part where the, William Defoe's like, "Well, you need to come up with this upfront money if you want to deal with me, and if you can't deal with it, get the upfront money, then you're yeah. not uh, then you're not for real." And so they have to go and actually commit crimes to be yeah. able to get the money. And they got that. They got that one guy killed yeah. under the expressway. Yep. And they finally got the money. That was and, a brutal scene too. That was like a fifteen-minute job goes wrong. William Freakin, obviously famous crazy, for uh, crazy car chase. French Connection is one of the most famous car chases. So you can tell a, this and was, that, and it had that almost feel like you know they didn't pull permits to do half the yeah. shit they were doing. They Every just, time I watch it, I'm amazed that it's not Michael Mann though. It seems like a Michael Mann movie. He's using William Peterson, and Michael Mann loves William Peterson. Maybe and, Michael Mann was a, a producer on it. I know you almost feel that way, but. Because there wasn't many William Freakin movies that felt like this. I mean, William Freakin did French Connection. He did The Exorcist. I mean, that certainly had its own feel in it and everything. And uh, what, what did he do after that, William Freakin, like between To Deliver and Die in L.A.? Damn it. 
All I can think is Bug, but that was way far later. But anyways. It had a cool, it, it felt like a, it was a classic 80s movie. Yeah. The music. The music. The, the, uh, the, that was the Wang Chung. had the Ferrari yep. that I like. The one that. Uh, maybe that's what made me think Michael Mann. It just felt like Miami Vice. Had the Ferrari that um, William Dafoe and his and his hot girlfriend. It must have been the first time we saw William Dafoe play weird, too. He was kind he was of a weird, weird dude. Yeah. He was, like when he was he did making Burn of the Money. Yeah, he did a bunch of nude scenes. <laughs> That's classic for for him, though. Anyone who's yeah. seen Antichrist knows the lengths he'll go for his art. <laughs> <laughs> did he really cut his own? Did he really? <laughs> no, but I, I uh, yeah, I don't even want to speculate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it was it was fantastic, and it had that stuff like when you got to see him, that had that slow, methodical watching a tradesman do his trade mm-hmm. type feel to it because we got to see him counterfeit this money, and yeah. it was super interesting. And super like, interesting watching a paint over yeah. those plates and everything and, and he like he actually put the money in the dryer with, yep. the, with the poker chips with the poker chips to kind of the guy that found feel. a poker chip later on he's like he was here yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah like man. you had the you had the uh, I feel like there's some other great actors who we're forgetting in this there movie. was that one big dude that was in a bunch of 80s movies um, black guy I forget his name he was really good he was the one that bought alright here we go Pulling it up, you'll here. you'll recognize him immediately when you see. So him. the guy from Mad About You is John Pacow. Yeah, he's really good. Oh, John Turturro was in this. That's right. Oh, the chick from Running Scared. She's the one with that really kind of stern look, but she's really cute. Dean Stockwell. Oh, the black guy is Steve James from yeah. uh, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker yeah. and American Ninja. Yep. Um, Robert Downey Sr. is in this movie. Whoa. Wow. I didn't even know there was. I assume there was a Robert Downey Sr. But it. I didn't know he was. Isn't an actor. that the guy from? Uh, that's a guy from Boogie Nights. Is that his dad, really? That's the, uh, this is a YP, not an MP, the guy that they were trying to get oh, the, yeah, uh, yeah, sell yeah, the yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's Robert Downey uh, Jr.'s dad. Huh. Huh. Learn something every day. Did I tell you, did you listen to the last pod? Uh, do you know? Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was blowing minds last uh, week with something that I had learned. The black guy from Tenant in the Black Klansman, mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, Denzel Washington's son. I knew that. You did that? Yeah. Why, no one telling me shit. <laughs> I had no clue. It blew my mind. I was I, like, I just crap. happened to read an article yeah. that he talked about it. I, so. And it's weird. I just learned it last week, and now I just listened to, uh, there's a podcast called the- the. We've been keeping the it from Bill. you. We've tried to keep it from you for a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, uh, there's a podcast called the Bill Burt Podcast, and it's Bill Burr and Burt Kreischer, and they just talk for like 40 minutes about whatever's on their mind and everything. It's really great. And weird enough, I had gone so long without knowing that was Denzel son i listened to an episode last night and they were like oh have you seen tenant stars denzel washington's son i was like what the fuck <laughs> so everyone's against me on bill, this bill burr man he's uh he's Sorry. having a moment with his he's in the mandalorian he's like oh yeah man. making some money he's right good now. he was good in that he's was only it? in one episode only in one episode and he killed it he's what did we see him voice. we saw him in a in a we saw him i saw him recently he was in that movie heat with melissa mccarthy played her brother in it and was really good no i saw him in a he's got an a gangster movie too. it was a it was a Mob movie, and he was like one of the henchmen. Oh, he was in uh, Breaking Bad. Was he in Breaking yeah, in the, in the final season, one of the last two or three episodes. He's one of the guys that was dealing with him in the barn. I don't know if that's where I remember and everything. From, but... but yeah, he was in it for a little bit. He he's great. He's awesome in everything, man. He's from. Uh, oh yeah, he's from right Walpole from... area. I yeah. think. Yeah, he's great to listen to. He's got that accent like crazy. So. <laughs> it's, <laughs> anyway, it's so funny how many stand-up comedians are from Boston. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like Boston, New York, and LA, sense. man. Yeah. I mean, that's where they all are. All right, 
Let's go to this next one. This is this is one of my favorite ones. Had the poster in my wall growing up. That's true. It, it was always creepy, creepy. This was probably one of the premier serial killer movies at the time, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And this is 1989's Relentless. It's also one of those movies I think a lot of people haven't seen. Judd Nelson? Judd Nelson, man. When when was this? This was Breakfast Club was before this. Bre- right? Where'd you say that? Breakfast Club was 1985. Uh, 36 years ago it took place today I, my girl, I knew that my girl's like we should watch Breakfast Club today I was like why she's like because they were in detention on March 24th 1985 which is today and I was like okay maybe I'll anytime my wife yeah. says yeah, we should watch you had me there you had me out we should watch yeah. <laughs> so uh, Schindler's List so I'm going to be watching some uh, Breakfast Club later I don't want to watch Schindler's List <laughs> I like to think this is what happened to him after the Saturday detention yeah. <laughs> four years I mean, later things didn't work out. His dad gave him those cigarettes, and he did uh, things with Molly. Molly Ringwald came to her senses and dumped him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is what and happened. He went all rampagey. So great movie stars. Uh, you want to say the cop's name just for Justin? No. Do you know who the cop is? Uh, Robert Loggia. That's all you got. You're not going to give Justin anything. Nope. Justin's listening right now, and you're disappointing my yeah. boy. <laughs> he'll, he'll do it in a little while. Maybe. All right. So yeah. we've we've got Robert Loggia, and we have um, Loggia. <laughs> makes you wait for it, dude. But it's worth it. <laughs> Anthony, uh, is it Anthony Lapaglia? No, it's not no, Anthony Lapaglia. It's, it's uh, uh, damn. What's his name? The other dude. Yeah. That looks just like him. Damn, he's good too. He was in the accused. Apparently not good enough to remember his ah, name. Damn, now I got to pull his name up anyways. <laughs> but so Judd Nelson was crazy as shit. And he was literally, at, at first you thought he was just looking uh, through the phone book randomly. Uh, I mean, they did the flashback. His dad was a cop. Yeah. Um, uh, Leo Rossi. Yeah, Leo Rossi. Awesome uh, actor, his, Leo Rossi. His dad was a cop, and they did the flashback where he was teaching his son to shoot. Yeah. And... There's some like Jimmy per- Pearsall shit. Like you do, he had like a giant handgun yeah. that like he like shot it and then fell over. And then his dad went up to the target and he like missed the center. Yeah. He- and he did like one of those "What about this guy?" Yeah. moment, and he went back and he just slapped his son to oh, the shit, ground. Yeah. Did you recently watch this? Did I lend you it? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why I was like, "Damn, that's a random scene to remember, man." <laughs> I was impressed. Yes. <laughs> no, I haven't. I saw. It 25 I, I, I years love ago. this movie. Uh, it stars Meg Foster also. Crazy eyes. Crazy eyes, man. She went on to be really creepy in some of the. Uh, she the, did a lot of creepy the, horror the, movies later, the, on, didn't she? Yeah, the uh, white zombie, yeah. Rob Zombie movies, and everything. Some really disturbing ones that Eric doesn't even want me to mention. Don't you listen to this, Eric. I'm sorry. Tune, tune it. Tune it up. <laughs> I think she was One in 31 minute. and she did a nude scene and it was like, woo. <laughs> she aged like, she seemed like she aged 30 years <laughs> in the last 10. Uh, she Now you got her crying. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Meg. <laughs> she had beautiful eyes and I loved her in uh, They Live. She was great in They Live. She was great in uh, Leviathan. Loved yep. her in that. But relentless so what he's actually doing is he's going he he's got so much daddy issues and his dad do you remember the name of his dad Ta- his dad was the same yeah uh, the same was, name uh, as his yeah uh, what was it though i can't taylor, remember I taylor think, yeah Ta- ike taylor was his dad yeah but he was looking for anyone with the last name taylor mm-hmm. in the phone book yeah. and then he was going to their house and he was just brutally killing them but he was doing it in a way that you hadn't seen in movies before he was making people kill themselves yeah remember he like he's like i'll help you 
Yeah. Remember, that was his text oh, yeah, line. Yeah. And he would like, he like grabbed the piano wire and was like strangling this woman, but he had her hands doing yep. it. And, and like the same the with the guy, guy. he had his hand on the hilt of the, uh, yeah. the knife and everything. But it was, it was, super it was the way he did it when he got into the house. Like he was a home invader and then he would hide and like he got one guy by hiding in the shower. Yeah. And then the other woman, he kind of tricked her into the laundry room and then snuck up behind her and grabbed her. He had, oh, he had come through the probably ceiling. Probably scares right. every single woman. Oh, this was scary how he like would the home invading during the day when he knows only one person's at home kills him and then basically you've got Robert Loja I've never felt and Leo Rossi at home by myself no I haven't which it's, it sucks when you're in that uh, situation when you are uh, apparently you're not even safe at the grocery store anymore so but uh, so we've got Robert Loja and Leo Rossi trying to figure this out and Leo Rossi plays the, the Leon sign of the times coming. is sometimes I go into a store and I think if, if I had to leave here yeah. in a hurry exits what are the other exits yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I mean it's good to be stock room like try to figure out yep. okay it's good always be holding it's, on to a can of tomatoes <laughs> it's, it's sad that it's gotten it's, to that it's point sad. but it is uh so it had that classic story of the young up-and-comer uh, detective who is paired up with the old crotchety. Yeah. On his uh, first day, just, he's like trying to solve crimes, and Robert yeah. was just like, "Hey, slow down!" Buddy. But he's got some good. He's like, "Hey, that's yeah. how they don't keep the uh, normally keep the like uh, shower curtain, yeah, uh, because there's no mildew on it, and there would be mildew if you left it open like that." And stuff that he should probably uh, that sounds uh, like think a, about. That, but that, that was definitely a technical. Uh, person on set yeah. trying to figure out that. great cat and mouse man and yeah. it was a mm-hmm. really great scene where they're actually they figure out that they're killing someone's killing all the tailors yeah, so they grab the phone book obviously and they're going to talk to all the different tailors and kind of warn them and and they come across judd nelson and judd nelson plays very childlike mm-hmm. i guess he wanted to get caught yeah he really did i mean he thanked him yeah. in the note oh yeah for killing him at the end for sure i'm not to spoil it but i mean he does yeah, obviously <laughs> he's the serial killer he's going to jail or he's getting killed and but it was interesting that when they were at his house and Robert Loja saw the picture on the wall. And, oh, the, yeah. and yeah. The, the guy who played the dad, too, he's my, uh, I, me and Justin had learned this or I had told Justin about it. Um, do you know, uh, in summer school, he played Chainsaw's dad. He, he also played Henry Hill's dad in Goodfellas. That was the, da- the dad from mm, this. He was like, you, yeah. did, you haven't been to school? He says, this yeah, note yeah. says you haven't been to school in a month. And then he ends up yeah. beating his son. That is Mike Starr's brother. Mike Starr is the guy from, uh, also from Goodfellas, who, the guy Frenchie who let him in to the uh, to the Latanza. Uh, he's the one who uh, made oh, yeah. the uh, deal with him. He's a big guy. He's from Last Dragon. Ice, Ice Harvest. Uh, Ice Harvest, yeah. They're brothers in real life. Oh, yeah. And we, he has I, the greatest. Oh, he. He also isn't he the one that have you the world most annoying sound <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the dumb world. And dumber. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they're brothers, and I don't know what movie it was. We were talking about three or four pods ago that me and Justin were talking about, and they played brothers in the movie, brother serial killers or like hitman squads, and they're and they're huge. They're both like six five and everything. So I had gone a long time huh. without realizing they were they brothers. So I, it was cool to see loop. him in Relentless too. You don't know Denzel's kid. You don't know. Yeah, I know. People I mean, just, related. You always learning stuff, even when you think you know everything about movies. You're always learning shit. So yeah, Relentless man, it was it was brutal. It was awesome. It was a great cop movie, great crime movie, and a great serial killer movie. I mean, it had everything. Next one, we're gonna uh, diverge to a little comedy here, man. This is one I got obsessed with. Where you know, a lot of times you have background movies. This mm-hmm. was my background movie, man. Yeah. I listen. I would watch this. I'd listen to it more than I watched it after a while. And this is 1989's Disorganized Crime. I mean, the another cast one a lot of people haven't great. seen. 
Yeah, it's the who's who of character actors, yeah. for sure. I mean, it's filled. So you've got this crew who are going to rob a bank, and then you've got basically two cops that are searching for them. And the, the kind of the robber's crew included Corbin Burnson, Fred Gwynn, Reuben Blades, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, Damn, and the guy from Dear John, I, I can never, or the guy from Boy Meets World, he's uh, the... He's the one that... He's the savage he kid's He was the one that was walking the whole, like... Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's Ruben Blades. Oh, he's the one that, that screwed him over yeah. and stole the car. He stole the yeah, car, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Did you watch this recently, too? No. No, okay. <laughs> I, you let me borrow it, like, three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For... Or I think we I think we I think we did it on a pod in the first year. Yeah, we talked about once but, or twice. Uh, uh, probably my wild card or something because it's one of those movies m- most people don't think about. Is that the whole crew there? I'm thinking. Yeah. I, I think that's the whole crew. Yeah. And basically, at the very beginning of the and the cops obviously are played by uh, uh, Ed O'Neill and Daniel Robach, and a lot of people know Daniel Robach from uh, from Lost. He was a guy that got blown up with the dynamite, and he played a character actor. If you pull his uh, face up, you'd recognize him. He looks like uh, Meathead from mm-hmm. All in the Family. He looks a lot like him. Uh, so at the very beginning of the uh, movie, Corbin Burnson is, like, scoping out this bank. He's taking pictures. He's got pictures of the safe. He's got pictures of the outside of the bank. And he makes duplicates of all of them. He, he has four envelopes set up and he's basically what he's doing he's he's setting up this robbery and he's sending these four envelopes to his friends the crew in different parts of the United States one's going to uh one's going to um well no he's not sending the pictures he's just sending him a letter to yeah. come out here but he is he is building like together like photos at his house uh, but at does, the cabin he gets arrested before <laughs> he, and everybody thinks they ditched he ditched on him yeah right? well so what happens is he said come out to Montana we're uh, and uh, I've got a job out here. That's all they, he tells him. And he he's at the post office dropping the letters oh, in the yeah, mailbox, yeah. where Ed O'Neill comes up behind me, behind him and says Salazar. And then Salazar turns around, who's Corbin Burnson's character. Ed O'Neill's got a big ass smile on his face. He he works for like the uh, the marshals or something, and his job is to bring them back to New York. And he's like, "What are you doing out here?" He says, "You know, there's just blue cows and cow shit out here." He says, "You planning something out here?" And he's just he's tight lipped. He ain't saying shit and everything. In the meanwhile, those letters went out. So we we jump ahead like a day or two, and we see everyone come in on the train. And Lou Diamond Phillips has got a car there, and they don't know each other. It's like they. Uh, and they're kind of sizing each other up, you know. Uh, I know you, and I've heard of you, but I have never heard of you, type of thing. And they they're kind of catching up with each other and everything. So they get to the uh, they get to the cabin, thinking Corbin Burnson. Well, they think it's weird he's not at the uh, at the train station. They were like, where is he? He would be here. Uh, Frank Salazar is his name. And uh, so they go to Frank's cabin. And Frank's not there. His stuff is there. His toothbrush is there. They were like, he either left at a hurry. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on. And uh, the one guy from Boy Meets World's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And they were like, let's just figure out what's going on here. And in that time, Frank Quinn finds that pile of photos from the bank. And on the back is the name of the bank and everything. He's like, he's got a bank job here and everything. And... uh, in the meantime, he's being <laughs> in the meantime he's being transported back to New York, and there's a great scene where they're stopping to take a piss. Yeah, and this is where the movie really takes off. So he loses pants. It, well, Corbin Burnson gets uh, goes into the bathroom. The Al, uh, I want to call him Al, Al. Bundy, but Ed O'Neill undoes his cuffs for him, and then right when he undoes his cuffs, he like slaps him in the head, knocks him out, ties him up in the bathroom. His uh, uh, and slips out this small window in the, in the back of the gas station. It's like a rural gas station. is like a river. And he grabs a canoe, jumps in the canoe, and takes off, and his partner can't get him in time. 
and they were like, they talked to the uh, the clerk, and they were like, well, that river, if you go up to that one bridge, you you can cut him off. So they go up to the bridge, and uh, they they go uh, they park their car, they go below the bridge, and they realize he's gonna he's on the other side. We're gonna have to cross over the bridge, and they don't realize how rough the water is. So Al Bundy, well, I'm just gonna do it. Al Bundy, Al Bundy takes his pants off, and he's going across the river, and he takes his gun off, and he loses his pants. And his car keys uh, are in the pants. His car keys are in the pants. Everything, his wallet, his ID, his gun was stolen by Frank uh, back, so he's got uh, his gun too. And so now you've got Al Bundy living in the woods uh, with Daniel Robach trying to just get past some. Somebody. If someone steals their car on the bridge and you don't realize until later on that it's Fred Gwynn and the crew that stole his car. <laughs> it's like this mishapped mashup of things going wrong. It was wrong. a very good script. Yeah, it was like a very Cor- good script. Corbin Burnson, he gets he gets screwed over. Oh man, time. because he's he's in the wilderness the whole movie. He finally makes it back yeah, only to get only like framed or framed for something that he was gonna do but he didn't. That he and then didn't he, do. <laughs> and because it was great, because at one point, uh yeah. Corbin Burnson's getting eaten by like fire ants and, oh, and fire ants. They're my biggest nemesis. Oh god, they're horrible. All the In stuff Florida, there's we have bad. coral snakes, rattlesnakes. Nothing will make you coyotes drop your pants out. and take them off. There could be they're, five people around you and you're gonna take your pants off. And they hurt for days after. Oh, and they'll leave and they, a mark for an eight or nine months. I got yeah, I yeah. If you listen to this, you're not in Florida, man. Stay with thankful you if you lay down on the don't lay down in the grass in North Florida. Yeah, Massachusetts was great. In the grass, you could just lay down. You might have a carpet. Any body of water in Massachusetts, you could jump into. Yeah. Here, woo, you got balls. Yeah. You either either got gators or you got somebody snake that someone released. (laughs) Matt and his friends used to go jump in the canals around the near mom's house. Yeah, that's crazy. I was like, that's "That's crazy talk. Insane. Yeah. No, you don't do that shit. There's things waiting there for <laughs> kids to jump in there. Like the, That's their it's whole like job. ringing the dinner bell. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, disorganized crime. If you want to watch a good crime story, because at, towards the end when they realized, hey, we got to rob this bank, it was a good bank robbery mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And even better than that was when they realized this is a small town. This was my favorite part of the movie actually, is when they're about to rob the bank, they were like, well, you know, there's only there's only eight cops in town. Yeah. But like maybe we could disarm their cars. Yeah. And Fred they take Gwynn the distributor says, cap or yeah, something. Fred Gwynn says I can make a tiny a charge. Uh, charge that if you can put it underneath the police car and the engines. If, and it was a great thing where they they built this. They had a station wagon that had a drop floor in it. And they would pull yeah, next yeah. to the car in the parking yeah. lot. Daniel uh, or uh, Lou Diamond Phillips would drop down and roll over and put the uh, thing up. And at one time, the car took off. He they, well, they did it at a traffic light. They did it at a traffic light. One, time. <laughs> one of my I, I love Ruben Blades in this so much. He had so many great one-liners in this movie, but he was so much more than people normally give him in a uh, role. Was he in Predator Two? Yeah, I loved him in Predator Two, and didn't uh, Fear the Walking Dead. He was great in that. But yeah, there's the scene where he's they're down to like one car. Or two cars. One of them they never get to. Hoyt Axton's car is someplace else. He's the dad from Gremlins. And he's the chief of police. But they... They roll up to a traffic light, and Daniel Day, or, or Lou Diamond Phillips doesn't even give Ruben Blades a chance. He says, just keep knocking. And he drops down. He's like, don't you do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks over, and he's like, uh, hey, uh, I'm going on a date with somebody. Do you know where such and such is? And he had met when they cased the bank. He recognized that woman's name, Wanda. Yeah. And uh, If you're ever doing something nefarious yeah. and a cop comes up, start talking to him. Yeah. He'll ultimately 
he'll be it's like, true. I had he'll a, be like, this guy wouldn't. I had a shoplifting thing as a problem when I was younger. For a, <laughs> I got a, I got better. I got better. I got better. <laughs> but I remember that my thing was to shoplift and then go and talk to one of the clerks. Like I, I did it at bookstores. I would steal books and then I would go up to the clerk and I would, I would say, hey, when's the new Stephen King book come out? And they were like, oh, it comes out in April. I was, oh God, is there a list I can put my name on and everything? I would. Uh, and would you use your real name? No. I, <laughs> Usually, I knew there wasn't a list I could put my name on. I wasn't going to give my name, or I'd, be, I'd give a fake name. I, I think you're still it. wanted by yeah. Columbia House, though. <laughs> Everyone's wanted by Columbia House. No, but you in particular. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing with them. That once I found out that the CDs were only it cost them eight cents each to make, they were like, they got one person out of a hundred that will pay. They're they're good with that. They know people are fucking mm-hmm. them over. It just in their business plan that works. That Com- was my that was my call me Columbia House. I'll yeah. <laughs> tell was, me what the reward is. <laughs> that was my. I don't think they're around anymore. All right, next movie, man. One of the best. Crime movies of the uh, 80s, and it kicked off the Silence of the Lambs uh, yeah. saga. And most people still to this day don't know this movie exists, or don't even don't even know that somebody else beside Anthony Hopkins and Matt Nicholson played Anthony Hopkins. Played yeah, before Anthony Hopkins played Hannibal Lecter, and that's 1986 Manhunter. Such a great movie, yeah. man. The, the very 80s. The tall guy. Oh yeah, um, uh, from House of the Devil. Noonan, uh, Tom Noonan, Tom Noonan, man, Whew. he was Tom awesome. Noonan was great. And he will go watched... down in history. He did one role in SVU that I'll never f- forget. It's him burned for. into your memory. Burned in my memory. He played a pedophile that talked openly about his, like he never, he was running a website for pedophiles to teach them how to n- not yeah. assault kids, but l- still live with their. And he was talking so candidly about. What he liked to do to kids, and he's I, like it burned in my brain. I was he's like, such a big dude too. He's like he's pushing seven feet. He he yeah, played the six, he played eight. the Frankenstein and Monster Squad. He played that that axe Wolfman's killer and last uh, uh, last Boy Scout. He played the axe murderer at the end in oh, the yeah. in the raincoat. He, he's played all these. I, he played. I loved him as Rodney Dangerfield's best friend in uh, Easy Money. Mm-hmm. He's just been around forever, but. The killer he played in this. We should mention they remade this movie. It's called Red Dragon, with yep. and Ray Fiennes played the. Uh, mm-hmm. And just as good, you know, you can watch yep. either of them. And uh, sometimes it's good to watch Ray Fiennes and Ed Be- Norton, and, and then the other time it's good to see the, uh, who's the William Peterson. Who's and, the guy that died with all the heroin? With all the heroin in he the movie 50, or in real no, life? In real life, he had like fifty bundles of heroin oh, when shit. they found him. Thomas, not Thomas. I don't know. Ah, super. How does he relate to this? He played the guy in the wheelchair. The oh, the guy in the wheelchair that they pushed. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. And then the they other guy him with that much heroin. <laughs> yeah, wow. he had fifty bindles of holy crap. He had a brick of heroin. They call it a brick if it's yeah, fifty. Bindles. Little dabble do you every day, and it ain't going bad. Maybe it does. I don't know. <laughs> One comedian's like, you do. You have fifty of anything. You're gonna die. I don't care if it's heroin or dildos. <laughs> Cupcakes. Yeah. It's like, if they find you with fifty, you're dead. You are gonna die. But the our buddy from Avatar oh, that was in Stephen the Stephen Lang man was great. Yeah, he it, was the so different the tattler, of a role for him. It, the it, reporter. It's such a different. It's really worth watching both these movies, but they were almost exact replicas of each other. They didn't change a whole much. Almost nothing. Yeah, and it, a lot of times the stuff in Manhunter was creepier, like that stuff with Tom Noonan. So he played a serial killer. Uh, like Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter's not the main serial killer. It's weird. Not until you get to 
uh, Hannibal. Yeah. Does he ever star in the movie? It's usually like in Silent Slams, it was Buffalo Bill as the main serial killer. In this one, it was the, I don't even, did they have a name for him? In, uh, they must have. He was the tooth killer or something. Tooth fairy. The, was it the tooth fairy? Because he would take a huge, he would put it in these prosthetic teeth and take and a take huge a bite. bite out of his victims and everything. And somebody, they tried to flush him out. He was killing all these people. And they tried to flush him out, and they this that one old police shady, tactic way that you, one you shady reporter some, who, some things it's like he's impotent. Yeah, 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 he's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He, yeah. He, he molests small dogs. Well, <laughs> which weird enough, they did with Stephen Lang in the hard way. You know, yeah. when he played the party yeah. crasher and everything, they yep. did the same thing to him. James Woods came on and said, "Ah, he can't even get it up and everything," and that's how they got him. But in Manhunter, they, they did the same thing in uh, Relentless. Yeah. The, oh, that's right. Leo Rossi put that out yep. there. Yeah, it's nothing wants to must strike hard enough than the uh, the variety or the uh, vitality of of a disturbed <laughs> dude. So basically, they took Stephen Lang as the shady reporter who is willing to sell his mother for whatever story and everything. And now he, it's he just gleefully did Pavarotti. it, and they were like, "Let's let's run this story that's going to piss off the tooth fairy and it's going to flush him out." And he didn't realize that he was going to snatch Stephen Lang in such a disturbing scene. It was Why disturbing with it, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He the story. I think the Stephen Lang one was more disturbing, don't you think? It was more think? disturbing. Yeah, where he just he strapped him uh, to a um, a wheelchair. Yeah. In, in, the, in the sequel, I think he glued him. Didn't he glue Philip yeah. more often to the uh, chair? Yeah. And I think he just strapped him to the chair in, uh, in Manhunter. South Park made fun of this. What do you see? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you see? So he's basically showing my slideshow of horrible shit and everything, and then he sets him on fire and rolls the wheelchair with him still strapped to it into like the police station, yeah. like parking lot. Didn't or they something. do the same thing in the new one though? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But it was it was almost more disturbing in Manhunter yeah. the the way it looked, and you were like, holy crap, this guy's doing some horrible stuff, and in a weird twist of fate you think this movie's gonna go one way it's just like a cop hunting down serial killers and using Hannibal Lecter brilliantly played by Brian Cox great who, who's obviously uh, killing it on that HBO uh, uh, show uh, I can't remember the name of it and uh, all different character actors he's, uh, roles he's done in the past and uh, it goes another way where the serial killer actually falls in love and starts dating this blind girl and you're like, wow! I never thought this movie would take this this route to it, you know. And the and he he's actually doing real well with the blind girl because she sees him in different ways than anyone else sees him. And then, but then you realize, well, this guy is crazy as shit. So you know, at one point, he's just gonna fucking uh, go wild. That that and who was it? Karen? Not Karen Allen. Joan Allen played the blind girl in the Manhunter. And who played it? Emily. Emily. Emily Blunt. Or no, Emily. Uh, uh, damn, not Blunt. Damn, Emily. The other one. Damn, she was she was the girl from Breaking the Waves. She was really good. She played in the remake, and she was great. You know, it, it's weird that you can like both these movies, and they are completely different. One's got that '80s feel, one's got the '2000s feel, but they were both fantastic, man. Yep. Yeah, and it's a story that you don't. If you're a fan of Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon, and uh, or Silence of yeah, the Lambs, there's and another Hannibal, one out there. Go man. back and watch it, yeah, man. It's, it's you're Hannibal. almost missing out. I mean, it literally is. Is, the scene with Brian Cox is only like one scene, maybe two, with Brian Cox at Silence of Lambs, and it's really well done. Like he, they show him trick the uh, the guard to let him call his lawyer, and then when he's got the phone, he, he gets had, William Peterson. He, he stole your fingers he, through the little Rolodex. He's yeah. He's, give me his. Give me but his. But before number. that, remember he can't. 
make another phone call. So he opens the phone up and ends up being able to disconnect the one that's to his lawyer and uh, convinces the operator to dial the number for him because he says he has no the use of his arms. Yeah. He says, can you dial it for me? And yeah, he calls uh, William Peterson's, I guess, secretary to get his ad- home address and everything. So. He said he was an agent trying to sign a book, yeah. sign book over or something. And or, I'd really like that. He was so yeah. charming, man. So He's charming. Like, it's in that Rolodex right next to you. He looked great, man. I want to... Stick out. I don't know if you had heard. We had another loss for a great actor yesterday was uh, George Siegel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I did see that. Made my cousin real sad. My cousin's a huge Just Shoot Me fan, and I told him about it. And he he sent me a picture back of the Just Shoot Me, and he's like, "It's going on in the shop right now, man." He played Jack and Just Shoot Me. I loved him. He was on the Goldbergs, and I loved him in uh, some of his old flicks, like um, uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? It was such a great movie. Which just those four actors. He was one of them. Point. Man, he was so good. Uh, so yeah, we lost him recently. All right, this next movie. And speaking of my cousin, my uh, his mom, our uh, our aunt Cheryl. This is one of her top three favorite movies ever. Man, and she used to watch it all the time. And I, we watched it a lot because of Taylor Taylor in the Isles. Mm-hmm. They had great clips yeah. from this movie. And this was 1981's Nighthawks. Yep. Also, a, Sylvester also Stallone a, and Drag. Yeah, it's Sylvester <laughs> Stallone in a movie that you never get to see Stallone in, and never knew he was in this. There's a lot of people don't know about yeah, Nighthawks. Full beard. Full beard. Full his partner was beard. his partner was uh, Billy D. Williams with the Superman shirt on. Oh, so good. Man. I mean, this movie had a '70s feel. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This. I definitely mean, there was still over. a disco. There was a disco. Scene oh yeah, in yeah, this man. Movie. Was it disco still going on in '81? Right. Yeah, I think it died eighty eighty one. I think that's when they did. Van Halen the, killed uh, it when they burned them all at the stadium. I think oh, that was okay. eighty or eighty one. Video killed the radio star. Yeah. Or something. Something like that. It had such a short-lived thing, and I think most people were cool with it. But we're, we're all right with this only lasting three or four years. Ow. <laughs> uh, so what's going on in this is they are part of this crack kind of unit who is tracking down like the, one of the world's worst terrorists. Yeah. And the world's worst terrorist is played by Rudger Hauer in what, one of Rudger Hauer's best roles. This and The Hitcher are like two of my favorite Rudger Hauer movies. Maybe. And uh, uh, you missed the biggest one. The biggest one? Yeah. I mean, he's done a lot. The... The, I've seen things on the Oh, Blade I've... Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner. He was so great on. Yeah, that is probably his best one, actually. <laughs> but I loved him in Nighthawks, man. And at the beginning of the movie, they put a lot he of prosthetics a, he on him. He was crazy. Yeah, he was crazy. He would kill children yeah. and people. Yeah, he didn't yeah. give a shit. It, it he is, was there to kill. I liked his girlfriend slash partner. Yeah. She was a great Oh, actor. yeah, she was... Uh, I forget who she is. That um, I just remember... I just saw her in something the other day. Damn, I'll have to look she her up. She was just as ruthless as he was. Yeah, she played in something that I just... I'll look it up while we're talking here. They were like Austrian or German. But that scene that introduced him when he was at the uh, the department store in London. Mm-hmm. Remember, he's talking to the girl about the perfume and everything and uh, asking her, just being a really sweet kind of dude yeah. to her, like... A, hitting on her and everything and he's mm-hmm. like I, uh, you have really pretty eyes don't you and while he's talking to her he, he's got a package that he's footing yeah. under the under the table with his foot and he's pushing it over to her and then he walks outside gets on the phone and just like covers one ear as the explosion goes off and he's immediately on phone with the press saying uh, the such and such army Liber- liberation, liberation army, army and everything like that they were very yeah all right, I got her here. Oh, she played the uh, she played the completely bald girl from the first Star Trek movie. Do you remember the very oh, yeah, first Star yeah, Trek yeah. movie that had the she had the weird gem in her yeah. uh, in her throat and everything? That's definitely what I Did know. Did you her see from. William Shatner said on his ninetieth birthday that he's never seen an episode of Star Trek? Really? Yeah, like the old ones yeah. that he was in TV show. 
Doesn't surprise me. Never watched an episode of I a mean, TV it's, show it's certainly surprising, but the more we know about actors not liking to watch themselves. He seems arrogant. Yeah. Like there's he, a lot. I've heard a lot of people who cannot watch themselves on shit and had never seen some of their starring stuff. There was a big one. Some guy won the uh, an Oscar and he had never seen it. I think it was it was either Sean Penn or Daniel Day-Lewis who had not seen I something. Think da- I think I knew Daniel Day-Lewis. I think it was watch. Daniel Day-Lewis doesn't watch any of his stuff, so he had never seen There Will Be Blood. And he's like, I experienced it. I was there. And I, I, I guess that's yeah. part of that. And, everything. Yeah. and if you don't like to watch yourself, hey, whatever. So anyways, this guy's ruthless as hell. And he looks completely different at the beginning of the movie in London. He goes to a... Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, He goes to a plastic surgeon, and then he turns him into the Rudger Hauer we mm-hmm. know. Before then, he's just, almost can't tell it's Rudger Hauer. Yeah. It's really well done with the makeup and the hairlines and all the, the I think he had a beard in that movie and everything. So then when he's coming into the States, I love he immediately hooks up with this girl and uh, ends up living with her. Remember, he keeps that big chest of, like, grenades and weapons in the closet. And she finds it at one point, and he's got to kill her, but... Uh, it's kind of a cat and mouse between. At least let me let me explain. I'm cool with it. Yeah. First for <laughs> yeah. <you. laughs> but I love the stuff with like he Stallone was constantly getting pissed. He was he thought it should the operation should be run in a different way, and there was a lot of the ways where they were just in the in the room looking at slides trying to figure out how he thinks and that's what the the higher-ups were like if you can think like him we can catch him if you can't if you just go out there you're never going to catch him because we don't know what he looks like we only have that yeah. old picture of him it was almost it's sort of based on the jackal lore. yeah yeah i buy that yeah for sure like uh, stallone of- does a great thing when he's sitting in that room and he sketches the face of Rudker Hauer from the beginning of the movie and then as he's the movie progresses he's he's slightly erasing stuff like he immediately erases the beard because he was like yeah. if he's going to change his face he's not mm. going to have the beard and, and then, if he was going to change his nose this is what it is a great like. scene where they realize that he is spending a lot of money and going to nightclubs so the great oh, scene where yeah. they go to the nightclub man and it shows how ruthless he was I he hear that one of the versions they cut out the brown sugar song from uh um, from Rolling Stones. Yes. I think it was a rights thing. That was the only okay. thing. Maybe the That's TV the TV version didn't have the rights to it or something like that. And I'm pretty sure the the DVD that I have has it on there because it's one of my favorite scenes where he goes into the nightclub and he's just looking around. You know, Billy D. Williams is like, do you see anything? And he's looking around on his own and he's looking at all these guys and everything and his eyes catch. Like, he, his eyes catch Rudger Hauer and he's staring at him. And then Rudger Hauer is just dancing with this girl. And you see Rudger Hauer, since it's all done to the music, and Rudger Hauer immediately looks at Stallone and then turns away and then realizes that he might be, uh, he might have just been made. So he puts his hand in his jacket, and all of a sudden, Stallone screams, Wolfgar! And then, uh, uh, Rudker turns around and just shoots the girl in the back, like right in front of uh, Stallone, and he just starts opening fire and killing these dancers and everything. And then it becomes this race across the city into the the subway. I love that scene where Billy D. Williams is screaming at him to take the shot, and Stallone's like, he's not clear because he's got this old woman in front of him, and he's just got a partial uh, look at him. Even Billy D. Williams at some point gives him shit and says, should have taken the shot. Nowadays, taking the shot. So he ducked down, like, what is that, just that hallway mm-hmm. between the uh, uh, the tunnel, the subway and the tunnel. And then Billy D. Williams uh, runs ahead without checking to the side, and Rudger Hauer is right there and slices the most evil-looking slice up uh, 
up Billy D. Williams' cheek, and it looked real. Billy D. Williams had to hold the, uh, his cheek like together as blood is pouring out and everything. And uh, yeah, when he's being wheeled away with the bandage on his face, that's why he's like, she's taking that shot. Great scene on the cable oh, car. My God. Uh, the cable One car. One of the best scenes. God, man, just pull up Nighthawk's cable car scene. You or... didn't, I think. I remember they had Uzis. It's one of the first yeah. times you saw Uzis. Absolutely, like the old school Uzis and yeah. everything. And then it had a classic ending, which yeah, I'm not, not going to ruin. Don't it. ruin the ending. But it's it's so I, good. It's I might just, have ruined it in the first second that we meant that I talked about this movie. Oh, maybe I don't know. It's it's great. Uh, it, it's really a fantastic uh, flick. So definitely check it out. 1981. All right, this next one. This next one's probably on my top 100. Yeah, I really this one is really one enjoy I'm this one. Most least familiar. Uh, with. And, and it's probably one of the ones you'd like the most too. It's, it's a courtroom uh, drama, right? No, no. This no? is uh, you'll remember. He's when a detective. I, you'll remember what I'm talking about. Okay, I've so seen it's, it. It's 1989's Dead Bang. I think I saw it in 89. Probably. John Frankenheimer. So the, uh, oh. the guy who got famous for uh, like John Frankenheimer had done a bunch of stuff. Birdman of Alcatraz. He did the second French Connection film. Uh, Isle Dr. Moreau was John Frankenheimer. I, this is one of my favorite ones. So this is Don Johnson. He's he's hunting down white supremacists, and it's like a and uh, William uh, <laughs> Forsythe is his is like FBI partner, and they have to go all over the map to to search for white supremacy. Well, the beginning of the movie, like it's just should, in sounds LA. Sounds like they should. Uh kick that task force back up <laughs> at the very beginning it's just in la and you get the they're doing a lot of good character development stuff with don johnson you realize that i he, like william Forsyth. he's a strong cop in this movie and he he doesn't uh he, he swears a lot but he's definitely i wouldn't call him racist at all because he's trying to hunt down white supremacists in, in this movie but that's about the least he, racist thing he does do. a lot of uh i remember william Forsyth's very religious so every time don johnson takes the lord's name in vain he gives him shit over it so william Forsyth, it's not his character from out for justice no. For sure. <laughs> so at the very beginning of the movie, the start of the movie is great. We see this guy go up into a um, convenience store, and we're only seeing the back of his head, and we hear his voice, and it's very gravelly. And he goes up to the the black clerk, and he's uh, he takes a gun out and puts it right up to his nose, and the uh, the clerk says please don't kill me he gives him the money and he says do you believe in god and he's like yes he's like good because you're gonna go visit him soon and he's like oh please don't and then he just he it's on like christmas day like right like right around 2 a.m right when it hit christmas and he shoots him blows him away it's just evil and killing someone it's just on christmas. it's horrible and so it goes across don johnson's de- uh um kind of desk and they think it's uh somebody that he knows and that's out on parole so he calls michael jeter who's uh, awesome in this uh in this role not michael jeter uh, baseball player no brian balabon you know brian balabon Name uh, he's he played elaine's boss on seinfeld oh yeah he, he yeah, was yeah, he's yeah. a lot of the christopher guest movies and yeah, everything yeah. He's, he's a comedian but he's he can also play really straight also a tiny little bald guy well he plays the parole officer of the guy Don Johnson's looking for. He says, I need you to come out there. I need a rep there when I go and question him, and, and you're the guy. He's like, it's Christmas. I'm about to go open presents with my kids and everything. He says, yep, you're going to be out here. You need to be out here. I need you to do this. And it, it goes into this great scene where Don Johnson busts down the door, and he's looking for this guy, and he's not there. And uh, his brother's there, and he's his brother's home from school, and he's like, I don't know who you're looking for, but he's not here, man. And uh, right then, one of the guys in the house books it. And it's such a great scene where Don 
Don Johnson, one of my favorite chase scenes in a movie where Don Johnson has to book it. And he's like getting over a hangover from the night before. He's not happy with his life. He's, he, he sent presents to his kids and his wife isn't giving them to him. So he's got a shit life. And so he's booking it after this guy and he finally catches up to him and tackles him to the ground and then pukes all over the guy. <laughs> I do remember that. And the that. guy passes out and he wakes up and he's like, what the fuck? Who just puked all over me? And Brian Balaban, who's in his tracksuit, is following behind and he, he's like, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. And uh, he's like, I might be crazy, but we got you now. And so he realizes that uh, the guy he's looking for has hooked up with, I guess for a better learn, other like proud boy type uh, white supremacist guys. And they go on this, and the FBI is also searching for him. So he teams them up with William Forsythe, and they like, you guys got to search for these guys. So they're on like this cross-country kind of search for him, man. I, they end up uh, teaming up with Tim Reed. You know Tim Reed? He's uh, Venus Flytrap oh, yeah. from WKRP, and he was in the uh, the It uh, miniseries. He was awesome in it. And he's got a crew of, like, hard-hitting uh, black dudes on the force, and that's what he needs, too, because he's trying to... The first town he goes to, he goes to the sheriff's uh, department, and right when he goes in, the, the N-word is written on this sign, like, right above the entrance. It sounds like uh, Mississippi burning. Yeah. Remember it, when they went to see Brad Dwarf? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was similar like, to that. They had it, like, written, and then... Uh, and Don Johnson's like, that's an odd message you're sending there, Chief. And he, he's just, like, defending it and everything. And he's like, if you don't like it, you can get out the hell out of my office and everything. So he realizes, man, this is going to be hard searching for these white supremacist people in these, like, states that are filled with white supremacists. So that's when he was, like, in relief when he catches up with Tim Reed. He's like, I need a guys that are going to go through that door and protect me and not protect the people that I'm searching for and everything. So he gets them on the team, man. And it goes all the way down to this w- white power, like, uh, farm, you know, where there, there's a guy preaching his white power shit and his underground tunnels and everything. They search it and they realize nothing's there. Do you ever see the, that? I don't want to ter- derail your speech, no, no, go ahead. but the, the, the Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah, when he's bl- uh, uh, black, oh, white, one supremacist. of the most famous sketches of all time. <laughs> if you got hate in your heart, say amen. <laughs> yeah, where he, he played like, a blind white supremacist not realizing he was black. Well, his, his, his handler knew that he was black. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. why don't you tell him? He's like, he's too important to the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Chappelle show, man. That was like it was on for like two years, and they put out so many classic sketches and everything. I loved it. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, you know, on the farm, it was great because they they searched it and, they, and there was nothing. And he was like, "I know something's here. I know something's here." And then they find the underground tunnel. Man. Oh, and, oh god, it's such a great. And then there's a major twist at the end that you don't think you don't see coming, man. It, it's, it's gritty, man. If you like gritty like cross-country cop kind of dramas where you can see the guys out there like freezing to death in the cold and that's a very um well i was gonna say william freaking thing but this is frankenheimer i confused my two french connections but a lot of his movies that's like a major element is the cold and everything so i loved it check out dead bang it was on back in the day when we had um like uh, pay-per-view mm-hmm. like on the TV we can watch the commercials yeah. for shit and I remember it was it must have been the 89 must have been ripe for that because I was watching it like all the trailers all day long and I was like oh I gotta see Dead Bang Man you're like as soon as I leave this Christian school I'm gonna watch this movie <laughs> no we would see it was weird other than the movie theaters I mean we watched that yeah, shit at yeah, the house yeah. you know we just we weren't allowed to patronize organizations that yeah. supported like if they had just Stupid. shown Disney movies, if it wasn't at for a the Cinemax Emmanuel movies, that was my sex education. Yeah. Those late night Emmanuel movies, like the first time you could see yeah, it, yeah. someone totally the, nude or the, what was it? The the red 
Shoe Diaries. Red Shoe Diaries. They didn't show anything, though. Did they not? Eh, maybe a little bit and everything, but that was that was a little soft. I for. remember, and this goes way off topic, but I remember I had t- we had TV in our room growing yeah. up, and I was up late one night, watched Married with Children, and for some reason I stayed up really late, and I watched a Benny Hill episode. Oh, yeah. But it was a... It, they Must made it right uncensored. Yeah, uncensored. Full nudity for like the whole thing. Yeah, which is weird. I never it knew was that was a thing. Reg- it must have been in, in London. In they London, didn't have a problem topless. Yeah, I mean, I still remember with a black and white TV being upstairs on Park yeah. Street, watching TV uh, Channel Thirty Eight, and they played Sixteen Candles, and they didn't take the scene out with her nude in the shower. In the shower. And I was like, oh my god, they didn't cut it. I said, like, this is crazy. And then I was obsessed with Channel Thirty Eight for a while. <laughs> I was like, Channel Thirty Eight ain't cutting shit out. <laughs> Oh, oh it's so fun. <laughs> if we had internet porn back in the oh, day. Oh, God, like, I'm, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we didn't. Was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we didn't. I have no complaints. We had, to, we had to forage for our porn yeah, back yeah. in those oh, days. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you, you heard. I remember you, me, and Brad finding a Playboy in the woods and looking at it. And, and then going back to the woods every and, week, and, dig, digging and, around. And one, one time it. it was gone, and you're like, ah, oh, someone else found it and took it. <laughs> I was like, you guys ruined a good thing. You should have left it here for all of us. Yep. <laughs> All right, uh, so this last movie, we're going to end with a uh, with a great comedy here, man. One that we watched up north on Park Street and everything. Our dad loved well, yeah, it. Our I was mom loved it. Was one of our parents' it's, favorite it's movies. It's such a great flick, man. Even going back, it holds up. The comedy is so funny, man. I it's mean, it's a 19... classic yeah. uh, cast. 1986, Ruthless People. Oh, my God. Danny DeVito. This is like he thought he had a partner? Ta- yeah, oh, man. <laughs> top of his game, man. Bette Midler, top of her has game. He ever, has he ever been off his game? Even no, in he, sunny Philadelphia, he was great. No, he, I hear he was awesome, and I only watched the first season. But there were some movies in the 80s, like Other People's Money and everything, which like, were like, eh. It was it was okay. just a he off. was good, didn't it? He was, He's always good in everything, man. I loved him. We we learned to love him uh, in Taxi and Romancing the Stone. I liked him so. in that in the that Law Twins. movie uh, with, uh, with Matt Damon. Oh, yeah, he was great in that. That was uh, The Rainmaker. Rainmaker. Awesome, man. He was great. awesome in that. That was brilliant casting. That's one of yeah. those things when you, you have Francis Ford Coppola could have casted anyone in that role. And they to be able to have the foresight to think of uh, Danny DeVito to put in it. Because you got, you got to imagine at first the producers are like, what? The taxi like, guy from, like, we remember from Taxi. Yeah. I, I think he was always, re- I, he probably was, his agent was probably full with letters of people that wanted him as that comedy goofy guy. Yeah. You know, I don't think he probably I got mean, he's those like four foot nine. roles. That's why I loved him <laughs> in like LA Confidential, coming yeah. in as LA Confidential, yeah. the guy who narrated and did all that stuff. He, he was awesome in it. And he was so good. We didn't get to see him play this raunchy before. This was a pretty raunchy movie back in the day, too, mm-hmm. uh, for us. I, rem- I remember. We were, uh, uh, I mean, 86 is when it came out. We probably saw it in 87. So, I mean, I might have been 10 or 11 when we were watching it. But the uh, the premise of it, if you're not familiar with Ruthless People, is, uh, how would you say this? Wasn't he going to try to kill his wife, but then she got kidnapped? Yeah. Like, well, that's what it was. It was, And then he, he didn't want to get her, He didn't want her back. Yeah. He ended up putting, it was a bunch of double crosses too. So he was planning on killing his wife to go with his mistress. But then his mistress wanted to screw him over and she was dating uh, Lone Star. What the, the hell's d- his name? Bill dumbest, Pullman. The dumbest character yeah. <laughs> ever. It, it was like one of the few times Bill Pullman got to play this type of moron character. It was like a. It was like David Arquette played him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how he was yeah. in this movie. And so his uh, the mistress, Dane DeVito's mistress, said, hey, 
uh, Danny DeVito is going to kill his wife. What I want you to do, and he's he's already told her how he's going to do it. He's going to take her to this uh, Mulholland Drive or something, and he's going to yeah. he's going to pull over and get sweet with her, and then uh, push her out of the car or choke her to death. So, the mistress told Bill Pullman, go out there and film it. He says, I want you to film him killing his wife, and then we can blackmail him, and then we can uh, we can go live our life away from him. Well, little we did, do we know that uh, he was a very famous uh, designer and everything, and he screwed over Helen Slater, and her husband was Judge Reinhold. Helen Slater played uh, Supergirl, and she yeah. was very good in this role, too. I loved her in it. And so they got screwed over, so they had a plan that we're going to kidnap Bette Midler, Danny DeVito's wife, and we're going to hold her for ransom until he gives us the money that they owe us. Little did they know that... He was about to go kill her, and he got the phone, the ransom call, and everything. He was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" To that was, yeah. was amazing. Yeah, they, they do a great cut where he's like opening champagne and dancing and everything. But he was like, yeah, he, he was so excited. He was when so he excited. He's like, "Oh my god, I don't have to kill her now!" <laughs> and they were like uh, explaining to her, "If you do not give us a hundred thousand dollars by Tuesday, we will kill your wife." And he's like, "Oh my god, they're gonna kill her uh, for?" Her. And then so brazen that. Uh, eventually he's like, I dare you to kill her <laughs> because they keep marking her down yeah. because he's not he's not giving him the money, obviously. And he's like, all right, we will kill her if you don't give us $50,000. And on top of that, Bill uh, Pullman, because Danny DeVito didn't kill his wife, he goes out there and the chief of police just happens to be out there with a prostitute and the prostitute, uh, he tells the prostitute, I like it when a woman screams and everything. So he films the chief of police having sex with this woman, but the woman screaming her head off. So Bill Pullman's so stupid that he thinks that uh, that is Danny DeVito and he thinks that's Danny DeVito killing his wife when it's really not. And even and the, mistress like, gets the, and the mistress gets the <laughs> tape back and gets a couple seconds into it and it's like, I can't listen to it. I can't watch it this is horrible he's like but this is perfect we're gonna blackmail him and so he says let's send it to the police chief and we'll blackmail him into uh to um to arresting Danny DeVito so when they send it to the police chief the police chief thinks he's blackmailing him because he's on the tape yeah <laughs> it's so complex but it's not really it's really funny what was the scene when he, when the SWAT was on the building and and Bill Pullman shows up to for the drop at, with uh, oh yeah that was such with, a great um, movie man what's his name the, Oh, I forgot his name already. The guy uh, from uh, Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what it was. They they gonna make a swap and everything. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they don't show up. Remember at the second one. And remember the guy's gonna rob him. That Johnny Roast Beef from. Yeah. Uh, um, or is that what's his name from Goodfellas? Yeah. He's like, I am robbing you. <laughs> hey, you guys got one hell of a neighborhood. Watch here. <laughs> and the cops busted it out. Oh, it was so funny. Uh, uh, but then Beth Miller becomes friends with the kidnappers. Yeah, we get to see Judge sort of Reinhold and Helen Slater at their house. Off. like, And... They had she, her on a treadmill, right? Well, Didn't they no, have her in she's a fat on, suit like, in the beginning? Yeah, she's on a she's in a fat suit and she's in the basement and because she's got nothing else to do and she's always had a weight problem and she's been in all these fat farms she's and everything like that. She starts working out and uh, Helen Slater keeps bringing her down food and they're assholes to each other or Bette Miller's an asshole to them. Obviously, they're the kidnappers and everything, and they're. And Helen Slater comes down one day and says, "Man, you look really great," and walks up the uh, stairs and she's like, "Wait." 
you really think so? He says, yeah, you look like you've lost like 20 or 30 pounds. And she's like, do you have a, uh, do you have a scale? And she's like, holy shit, I lost 30 pounds. And she's like, you don't happen to have a, one of those long slinky dresses I can put on. She's <laughs> like, and Helen Slater's a designer and she gets super excited. Yeah, yeah. And then when Judge Reinhold comes later, <laughs> like later on, around. And, no, she, he let her, she let her go. Yeah. She's like, no, we're friends now. She's going to be back here. And, and weird enough, she did come back yeah. because she starts turning on Danny DeVito yeah. because Helen Slater's very like candid with her and says, uh, it says, what's going on with the ransom money? He says, well, we offered $50,000 and, uh, oh, we, we wanted a hundred. And he's like, oh, she's like, that shouldn't be a problem. He's like, well, he refused. He's like, he refused. <laughs> and he says, so we brought it down to 50,000 and, and he declined. He's like, he declined. He says, yeah, so we brought it down to $20,000. He's like, am I led to believe that I've been kidnapped? I'm being marked down. I've been kidnapped by Kmart. <laughs> The, so, the, the the funniest thing of the whole is when he's on the phone and they're pretending to torture her and they're like, yeah, oh god, because she starts like teaming ba- up with Dane DeVito. They had now. The she's ba- like, let's fuck him out and of all stuff, the money, like on the stove, and they yeah. were pretending like they were burning her. Yeah, did she realizes that Dane DeVito is going to screw her, so she had works with her own kidnappers. Too, it was kind of and it had the thing with the 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 bedroom killer mm-hmm. played by that big guy that played the dame from uh, Miller's Crossing. Oh, and yeah, he was yeah, in, yeah, he was yeah, in yeah. Alien Resurrection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite scenes where he he comes in and he he busts into like Judge Reinhold's house, not realizing that the what's going on there, and they were like, "Holy shit, that's the bedroom killer!" And he's he's very like crazy. He's got a knife in his hand. He's like, "You look just like my father. I hate my father." <laughs> then he turns the corner and he sees Bette Midler. "You look just like my mother. I hate my mother." And then he lunges toward Bette Midler, and Bette Midler moves, and he falls down to the stairs and breaks his neck. <laughs> and so they get to the bottom of the stairs. And he's like, he says, I look like his mother. He says, and you look like his father. He says, this is what our kid would look like. That's a strong argument for birth control right there. <laughs> so funny, dude, man. Awesome ending. Awesome ending, yeah. man. It, it leaves you leaving this movie like this is fantastic. And it holds up. on the up. pier. On the pier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it holds up so much, man. And as much of an asshole as Danny DeVito, he's still likable and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's so much to this movie. Yeah, if you haven't seen Ruthless People, 1986, check it out. Go to your local video store. Oh, yeah. wait. I, I heard little There's video stores are coming back, man. No. Yeah, yeah. I hear in like small stores. little uh, towns, people are like uh, starting these like little video stores and renting mm. them and everything. Towns that don't have internet? I don't know. You can literally watch anything you want uh, on the internet no, you if you can't. want to pay for it. You certainly, yeah. If you want to pay for it, that's for sure. But there's certain you can't watch everything for free, and I've realized that for sure. You can't watch, and almost that's. You can almost if you if you and it's not everything too. There's small movies from the eighties like like uh, I don't want to pull any of that. I'm not sure if you can get them or not. But movies like Walk Like a Man with Howie Mandel that is so obscure that you can find maybe a trailer on YouTube and I'm not even sure it's Short on Circuit iTunes two. and everything. There's uh what's that? Short Circuit Two. Short Circuit Two. No, that you can find. Uh, Short Time. That's another one Short that's time. super hard Dabney to find, Coleman. man. It it's it's weird. Like that's why I'm obsessed with finding these DVDs and these movies and everything. Because because if you find a copy of it, it's going to be in bad shape on YouTube or it just won't be available on iTunes, you know. So I'm always on the hunt for those obscure movies. So hopefully you, people have listened to this and check out these movies, man. These are like high-level kind of 80s crime movies. And like we said, a lot of them are not very recognizable or certainly played all the time. 80s movies I mean, are great. Fish Called Wanda is probably the most popular one on here. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah. I mean, really. I mean, Thief and to Live and Die are classic movies and everything. Manhunter, maybe. I don't know. Like Relentless and Dead Bang might be the harder ones to find. Yeah, 
Certainly relentless. Disorganized crime too. I, I got the there was a Blu-ray release for that, and I was amazed that they released it on Blu-ray, hmm. and I snatched it up years ago, so I still have my copy. But really good. All right, that's it for this week. Next week, me and Justin are going to do action comedies. Can you believe we haven't done action comedies yet? Ever? Yeah, ever. I was I looked I had to look twice through the entire list, and I was like, that seems like something we should have done. And uh, nope, we, we did action scenes, we did a, uh, comedy scenes, and we did everything action and everything comedy. Action but we never comedy. did comedy. We never did a combo with the two. What, so I have. What some, would you consider an action comedy? Would Bill and Ted be an action comedy? No, like may I'll give you one on one. Bill on and my Ted list. seems like an action comedy. I mean, I guess you could make that argument. I mean, it depends depends what you define as action. Like on my list, I like, put like uh, thirty minutes or less. Uh, okay. Is going to be on my what list. About, uh, what uh, about something like, what's the Eddie Murphy one with Nick Nolte? Yeah, that one I would put on Action Comedy. Action Comedy? Yeah, yeah, you could put 48 hours. Anything yeah. that's got like car chases and explosions and everything, but it's also a comedy. Uh, the uh, the big hit is one I'm um, toying around with using. That's that Mark Seven Wahlberg Psychopaths? one. Not- Seven Psychopaths you could probably put under that. Uh, Snatch you could certainly put under that. Uh, Lock Stock you could put under uh, Action Comedy. So there's a, there's a lot of good ones, especially if we're not keeping it to a specific year so you could join me and justin next week for that then me and dave and i uh dave will find out about this for the first time right now we're going to do some Wal- uh, walter hill movie so we'll be talking some uh 48 hours and nice. another 48 hours uh there's only one on there that i think you might need to borrow from me uh i'll have to show you the list or afterwards. even now we can start fresh oh god <laughs> i love walter hill man he's such a one of those great directors that people don't give enough love to so we're going to do a director's pod with him but we got like, some some exciting ones coming up me and justin are going to go back and do some superman one and we'll talk a little bit more about the uh that zach snyder uh, cut so if you're into superhero movies you can join us for that <laughs> I'll be right there yeah, Dave will be there in spirit alone yes. and maybe not even that <laughs> 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 but if you want to get a hold of us you can check us out on our Facebook page under Fascinated with Films you can check out all the photos we drop every uh, week you can also leave us a like or a comment on SoundCloud or iTunes our two platforms or you can shoot us an email fascinatedwithfilms at gmail.com and we'll get back to you and uh, that's it for this week so until next week see ya bye Disappointed! <laughs> <laughs>